Wendell Vaughn, the first Earthman ever appointed protector of the universe, bonded to the energy-transforming quantum bands that are both weapons and symbols of his station. He fights an ongoing battle to defend all life in the universe from cosmic evil. Stanley presents Quasar. Greetings and welcome to the Quantum Cast, your source for all things Quasar. I'm Gene Hendricks, and with me, for the first time live in the same room, Mr. Jeff Fishman. How you doing? I'm great, folks. And Gene, man, you are as handsome as I remember you. And it's great to be here in the same place. You have been to the eye doctor recently, right? Uh, yes, he poked <laughs> both of them out. That's why you look so good. Oh, there we go. <laughs> All right, well, we are going to mix up the format a little bit this time, everyone. We are going to start with our Stellargrams, the email that you loyal listeners have been sending in. And we do have a lot of them, but we're only going to narrow it down to two for this segment. We don't want to bore you too much. Yeah, thanks. So, our first one comes in from Eric Lamont, all the way from the U.S. territory of Puerto Rico. Mm. He writes, Welcome back, Quantum Ones. Just discovered your podcast, and just in time for your return. Glad to see Quasar, one of Marvel's D-listers, getting some podcast love. I've never read Quasar's solo series, so it'll be interesting to see what I missed. How often can we expect new episodes to appear? Well, until you run out of Uranus jokes, I'll keep tuning in. (laughs) Eric, let me tell you, my Uranus is an unyielding cornucopia of corny goodness, so... It's ready to spew its love all over you, and we will make sure to include at least one Uranus joke in every show, or a joke of equivalent value that you could trade in for cash dollars. Yes, there will be a Uranus joke, or double your money back. (laughs) (laughs) Double nothing, huh? (laughs) As far as the, uh, the question you asked, Eric, we are currently projecting that we will be releasing an episode once a month. That was the original intent... Then, you know, we had to take that side trip to uh, the Eternal City out on, on Uranus. So, it took a little while for us to go there and come back. It never fucking gets old. <laughs> it never gets old. I get a giggle every time. But, thank you for tuning in. And, obviously, if you have any more questions, please feel free to write in. Yeah, and as Gene said, we're going to be trying to do these at least once a month. It turns out that we've got a bunch of buddies coming over to play Dungeons & Dragons because we are 40-year-olds... Or 40-somethings, Gene. I know that you are not quite 40 yet, but what, six months, something like that, eight? Um, All too close. Yeah, right. And uh, we still play Dungeons & Dragons. I am divorced, by the way, so that explains something. (laughs) (laughs) And my wife is also a gamer, so she understands. Right, right, right. What I'm trying to say is my ex-wife is just not cool enough to understand. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) So we're going to have a good time doing this podcast, and then we have a secret surprise podcast we'll cut later today, and we'll tease that at the end of the episode. Yes. All right, our next email comes in from Jason Trenner, better known to you Facebook people as Fanboyamus Prime. He writes... That's not his real name, is it? What, Jason Trenner or Fanboyamus Prime? (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. All right, all right, I get it, I get it. That was a silly question. Uh, He writes, uh, hey guys, love the show. Had to drop you a line after listening to the episode. It was amusing and left me with one big question. So what color tassel did you get at graduation with a degree in communications? Oh my god, I'm surprised they gave me a tassel at all. Um, It was so long ago. I graduated in 
from high school in 93, which means I would have graduated from college in the spring of 97. Right. Uh, I was not on the five-year program. I did start off going for a dual degree in physics and engineering. Then I have the perverse love of calculus one needs to get a degree <laughs> in both physics and engineering. So I'm a lot smarter than I look. But I'm a lot lazier than that. So I went to communications because it was easy, and I, I take full responsibility. I did get program uh, distinctions when I graduated. But again, it was because it was easy. <laughs> um, I believe all of our tassels were gold, and those with program distinctions got gold with additional black strands in them or something like that. And then we had to got an additional V-shaped sash that you got to wear over your gown. Is that the that's it? Yes, it's yeah. called a gown. So that's what we did. That's that's what I recall. Uh, I, I I have to tell you that I was drunk for most of graduation for various reasons, and that's uh, that's the answer to your question. Okay, Jason continues on. I have a degree in business management, and I got drab, not olive drab, as that is a color. Drab is pink after a few too many times in the washing machine. I would call that salmon. I'd call that ugly. Or puce. Is that puce or puke? A little bit of both. (laughs) Puke was the color of my gown later in the day. (laughs) And I think my college didn't hold that degree in high regard as well, if they didn't give it an actual color. Love the talk of the issue, and the construction talk sure made it clear that comic writers are unaware skyscrapers are full of things in the walls. Which actually could be interesting in a comic, as sanitation lines, gas lines, etc. could be used as weapons, or just to be a jerk to people. (laughs) Really hope you guys get these out faster, as I really want to see you review issue number 17. And for those of you unaware, issue 17 is the uh, stealth crossover with DC, where a certain super speedster that last appeared in 1985 reappears in Quasar. Oh, yeah, right. (laughs) Burned alien. Yes. uh, See our Facebook page for more on that. Right. Jason goes on, I seriously asked Kurt Busiek at one point if Justice League and Avengers would send buried alien home. He said no, but he actually knew who I was talking about. Mm. So keep up the good work and watch out for the presence. Scary. (laughs) <laughs> all right, that is uh, all the email we're going to cover today, but we do have a few shout-outs for uh, our loyal Facebook fans that we want to... Yeah, I want to welcome to our uh, site and thank them for contributing and being a part of the Quantum Band's Facebook page. Our buddy Zeb, who uh, wrote in and did a fantastic job uh, definitively showing us why Omega Supreme is superior in just about every way to the Lions Voltron. So, Zeb, thanks for uh, being with us. Al Sedano, did I pronounce that name correctly? I believe so. And Al has been a uh, loyal fan of our Facebook page since way back when we first started the Quantum Cast Mm -hmm. last year. Mm -hmm. Uh, Also, some other active members, Van Z and Chris Tyler, thanks for participating and being with us. Normally, I hate the fans, but in this case, you guys are pretty cool, so I'm going to give you a pass. All right. Well, that's it for this segment. What we're going to do is take a quick break right now, and then we're going to come back and review Quasar, issue number four. I have called you all here today at the behest of Don DiManzo, 
to discuss the expansion of our Jersey territory. Our Don has seen an opportunity to move into Atlantic City at an event called AC Boardwalk Con, which will be happening May 14th through the 17th, 2015. Don DiManzo has asked that some of our made men attend this convention and convince the locals to try two true freaks. Joining me, Gene Hendricks, on this trip will be my Quantum Cast cohort, Jeff Fishman. Chris Tyler, the hair metal hero, will be representing the Boston arm of the family, while Scott McGregor will be representing the New York branch. Our capo, Chris Honeywell, will also be there to provide some added persuasion. Your Don has asked that any of his loyal friends in the area come and pay their respects to this new endeavor. He reminds you that all the information on the event can be found at doacbc.com. That's doacbc.com. Come help us make Atlantic City an offer they can't refuse. Hey, Paul, what's up? Ah, not much. What's going on? I'm, I'm just a little confused lately. I yeah, What else is new? Well, you know, m- more than usual. I tried to go to get the shows that we just put up, and I was having problems finding them. Well, we having trouble finding them. Well, I couldn't find Back to the Bins. I couldn't find Avengers Spotlight. Of course, you can only find those when I actually edit them. <clears throat> and, um, <laughs> oh, you took but, the words you know, right out of my mouth. They're, they're on the feed, Bill. Yeah, I know. That's where I went. I went to the feed, but they weren't there. Yeah, no, you got to go to the feed. You got to go to the back to the bins feed. The back to the bins feed. What's yeah, that? The back to the bins feed. You got to go to iTunes. You look for look up back to the bins, and you subscribe to the back to the bins feed. But I went to Two True Freaks. Yeah, we're on that feed too. What? Where? On the feed. Okay, wait a minute. Wait a minute. So you're saying that we're on? All right, so if I wanted to go find the shows that we've done, I'm going to go on to iTunes, and I'm going to click on Back to the Bins, and I'll find Back to the Bins and Avengers Spotlight in the feed. Exactly. I don't even know what I'm talking about! Bill, you go to the feed, you subscribe to the show, you subscribe to whichever show you want, and then you get it. It's that simple. You just got to go to the feed. What show do I want? Back to the Bins. Where? An Avengers Spotlight. Oh, I'm so confused. They're on iTunes. They're on twotruefreaks.com. You want them, uh, you get them. They're you all got them? To you. All the uh, shows are there. They're still all available, Bill. All right, on the so... Feed. The feed. If you say feed one more time, I'm going to break your arm. Uh, Scott, could you tell him... Hey, man, don't, don't drag me into this, because... Uh... It's no skin off my ass. I'm on all the feeds. <laughs> Bastard. Welcome back. Now we're going to take a look at Quasar, issue number four. This is cover dated December 1989. It was on sale September 12th, 1989, thanks to Mike's Amazing World of Comics at dcindexes.com for that information. Story, Mark Gruenwald. Breakdowns, Paul Ryan. Finishes, Danny Bulnati. Letters, Janice Chiang. Colors, Paul Beckton, editor Howard Mackey, and couch edits, 
Tom DeFalco. Mm. He's no longer the Eon in Chief, I see. I think he's changing it up every issue. Oh, you don't think he was demoted? (laughs) (laughs) I think he's more comfortable now. (laughs) Right, right. Oh, because he's on the couch. Well, yes. Right. Well, also, that's actually a reference to later in the comic, but we'll get to that. Okay. On the cover, we have Quasar and the Aquarian hiding behind a quantum shield, which is colored green for some reason, Right. while a mass of identical villains flies at them. Now, yeah, when we look at this, you know, it's not clear, is it, are they are they soldiers all wearing the same uniform? Right. With a, a, a cowl, so, you know, you're not able to see any of the um, facial features, or are they, you know, are we doing a multiple man thing here where they're all identical? We don't know what's happening. I do not recognize this villain. I barely recognize the other hero who is cowering behind Quasar, who is Aquarian. <laughs> Uh, for those of you who don't know, Aquarian is the hippie superhero from the 80s because our D-lister friend, Wendell Vaughn, hangs out with F-listers because it's kind of <laughs> like when you're fat, Gene. You know, you always want to hang out with somebody fatter than yourself because then it makes you feel skinny. So if you're a D-list superhero, you want to hang out with, like, the Texas Twister. <laughs> you know, you want to hang out with Aquarian. You want to hang out with the F-listers so that... Uh, you know, you feel like you're the top dog. So that's what I'm getting off of this. And again, as you mentioned, the title was Quantum Rain, and we have all of these bad guys, quote-unquote, raining down on top of Quasar and Aquarium inside of the Force Bubble. Right. So, on the inside, the story title is changed from Quantum Rain to Quantum Theory Made Easy. Mm-hmm. We open with Quasar flying into the bathroom of his 12th floor office in Four Freedoms Plaza. And you notice how this bathroom is just enormous? I mean, we talked last episode about how expensive mm-hmm. his uh, his rent must be for this. But, I mean, look at the bathroom, for crying out loud. It is enormous. It's marble. It's tiled. Uh, it is a fancy, fancy bathroom for a guy who had to blow all of his savings and yes. his checking account on the first month's rent and the security deposit, as noted in Quasar number three. Yeah. And he just got the fanciest fancy. Now, it looks like there's even a shower here. So, I mean, yeah, I know. Who's got a shower in their, in their office? But. And I, I want to know what high rise has a 12th floor window that opens fully. Right. <laughs> right. Right. OSHA, don't come here. Right, exactly. <laughs> and oh my gosh, you know, when you look at this, okay, the big bathroom with the window and the shower. No wonder he was interested in getting a secretary like Kayla because she might need to bathe off after that. <laughs> the dirty, dirty quantumness that's going to go on. Anyway, (laughs) Quasar is chiding himself for not getting up early enough to take mass transit, since a glowing man flying into and out of the Fantastic Four's headquarters won't go unnoticed for long. Mm -hmm. He physically changes his clothes. So no more Firestar effect. No more Firestar effect. He's actually taking his clothes, his quantum costume off right and putting on a business suit then slicking his hair back and putting on glasses Mm -hmm. right and he actually makes mention that how his specs and slicking back the hair will be enough to hopefully that'll be enough to disguise him um and he doesn't know how captain america does it having to take off the whole cowl and costume all the time once he gets changed quasar go or wendell now goes to check on eon who is hidden in a pocket dimension inside an office closet yeah, and what I would like to mention here is, firstly, he looks like Aldrich Killian again. Mm-hmm. But this is where 
and Gene, I don't know if you'll agree with me or not. I think you will. This comic is, I want to call, a watershed moment. We now are going to be seeing some real transitions from the kind of cheesy mama's boy, cut and dry 80s comic book character into some more advanced concepts which make this character such a lovable character and why you and I like him so much. And the first thing we're talking about here is, you know, we've already talked about cheesy jokes, inside jokes, deep, deep comic references. What we're looking at is we're talking about pocket dimensions, which is something that is not usually delved into into some in a lot of the other generic titles. Right. I want to point out that Quasar, as he's going to Eon, is making reference to a bunch of adventures that we have not talked about. Mm. Specifically, he's talking about how he has had run in with a giant extraterrestrial, a half-alien, half-human commando, a mudslinging extra-dimensional, and a couple of good guys who mistook his intentions. Mm -hmm. All these are references to appearances between Quasar number 3 and Quasar number 4. They are, in reading order, Marvel Comics Presents number 29, Avengers 302 and 303, Avengers Annual, 18, Avengers 305 through 308, and then West Coast Avengers number 4, I'm sorry, West Coast Avengers Annual number 4, Thor Annual number 14, Fantastic Four Annual number 22, and New Warriors number 1. Wow. Yes. So This, This is all thanks to the Complete Marvel Reading Order website. I'll put a link to Quasar's appearances in our show notes. So, two quick thoughts here. One... If you would like to pause the podcast and then go find each and every one of those episodes or issues and go and read them, you can do that, but don't. <laughs> it's not worth it. It's not worth it. Just trust us that, you know, what Marvel is trying to do here is get you to buy the Quasar comic book. So he's being interjected into different comics to get you interested about the character. And personally, I don't have a problem with that because it's a great character and mm-hmm. it makes him the Kevin Bacon <laughs> of the Marvel Universe. Yes, and I should point out that Mark Gruenwald, who is the writer on Quasar, at this time was the editor on Avengers. So I have a feeling that he basically said, we're going to use Quasar in the Avengers. Right. That's it. <laughs> that was the editorial edict. And I'm fine with that because I love the Avengers and I love Quasar. So it's chocolate peanut butter time. I understand. The other thing we should probably note is he makes reference, but it's been two months and he's had a bunch of Avengers duties. (laughs) Duties. There's your Uranus joke. He's had his Avengers duties. Duties. Uh, And it's taken, it's been two months since issue three to issue four. Right can't help but remembering it was very prominent in issue three that he had to empty his entire checking and savings account Mm -hmm. to be able to afford first month's rent and security deposit so apparently he's two months we'll find out later he hasn't gotten any business yet how is he paying for all this i was going to make a joke (laughs) but then i realized or remembered as probably more appropriate that the avengers do pay a stipend Yes. And a rather hefty stipend for being an active member. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Tony Stark. So, that is probably how he's supplementing his business. Correct. And in this way, we do not ha- we can continue to willingly suspend our disbelief. Yes. And just one more point, mm. and then we will move off of page know, number two. Page two. <laughs> but, if you remember, we were making reference that Quasar looks like Clark Kent. Yes. Because he's slicking back his hair, he's wearing glasses. Mm-hmm. One other way... 
and this goes back to the Silver Age more than anything else, Clark Kent was always shown in a blue suit with a red tie. Guess what Quasar is wearing? Blue suit and red tie. It's good. Good <laughs> memory, man. That is a great get. I totally missed that, but yeah. All right. On to page three. Oh, <laughs> good. Eon and Wendell are interrupted when Kayla Ballantyne, we finally got a last name, dressed slightly more conservatively than last issue, know, arrives nice. for work. Wendell shows her and us around the new office. Can I describe her outfit? So she still has yeah. the 80s rocker slut hair teased out to wazoo, much like the girls had when I went to high school. Yes. Because there was must have been a sale on hairspray. She's wearing a white headband. She has a vel- red crushed velvet top and skirt, all one piece. Since I'm obviously not a fashion aficionado, I don't know what that would be called. I, I would I would call it a mini dress. A mini dress. Well, yes, because it only goes halfway down her thigh, and if she were to bend over, you would get a clear look. Oh, yeah. And I'm assuming she's not wearing underwear because that's well. just what my imagine would like. <laughs> and she's wearing a very large belt, so maybe she's the WWE Divas Woman's Champion. She's dressed for, this, for it. Right, exactly. <laughs> Is she actually wearing shoes? Because it doesn't look like it. Uh, in the third panel in on page three, she oh, is wearing... Oh, yeah, you wearing... can barely see the heels on there. Right, they're very okay. small pumps. And no one's looking there anyway. No one's looking there anyway. She's no midriff this time, guys. So, you know, you can maybe bring issue three into the bathroom with you and leave issue four on the kitchen table. <laughs> on to page four. <laughs> Mom, I'm reading my comics! <laughs> don't open the door! Don't open the door! <laughs> Eight boring hours later. <laughs> right, because I don't have any business. Yeah. He's paying her to sit there. Exactly. That was ridiculous. I would never do that. I would send her home. Oh, I thought you mean you wouldn't get paid for just sitting there. No, 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 no. I, I, I employ people. That's all I should probably say on a comics podcast. I don't think anyone needs to know, but I don't want you to track me down. <clears throat> Go ahead. I'm sorry, Gene. <laughs> eight, eight boring hours later, mm-hmm. Kayla heads home, but not before Wendell explains, even though he's not asked, that the picture on his desk is of his mother and sister. Ah, horn dog Wendell strikes again. <laughs> oh, in case you were wondering. Yes. Which is pretty much what he says. That's not my girlfriend. That's my wink, wink. <laughs> That's what the shower's for. After she leaves, Wendell changes back into Quasar and talks to Eon about investigating possible alien threats. After being overwhelmed by the sheer number of potential aliens on Earth already, Quasar decides to head to California. Through a mento projection, because Eon basically sends up a hologram of the entire Earth. It's kind of like Men in Black, Mm -hmm. but it's not on a screen. And there's little bright spots where there's alien activity. Something I should mention is a deep reference here. Quasar says, wow, I didn't realize there were so many. And Eon, in his mossy voice, says, you should have said, uh, seen it a few years ago when the dire wraiths had infested your globe. Dire wraiths? Never mind. So when do you suge- where do you suggest I begin? So mentioning dire wraiths, which of course is the old ROM comics... Yep. And was a very, very great run. By the way, James Gunn, writer and director of Guardians of the Galaxy, loves Rom. Yes. Rom is his favorite, favoritist superhero. And the scuttlebutt is 
that they're going to have Rom, or at the very least the Phalanx, which is the race of space knights that Rom comes from, as part of the next Guardians of the Galaxy movie. That would be nice. I, would... I don't know if Rom's going to do it, because I, I think that's in licensing hell. Yes, I think that the Marvel doesn't technically own Rom at this yeah. point, but they're trying to get him back. But even if they don't, they could use the Phalanx. Right, they can use... It's like with the Micronauts. They Marvel can't use the actual Micronauts characters, except for the ones they created for okay. the comic. Sure. So the ones that are the toys, uh-huh. they can't use. But they can use, I think it's Bug, is the one they created just for the comic. Mm-hmm. So he shows up all, all over the place. Interesting. But the other ones don't. Interesting, interesting. If, like me, you read the old Thanos comics, that short-run series that happened in the early 2000s, this is where the current incarnation of Guardians of the Galaxy was debuted, uh, where... We were reintroduced to Peter Quill, who is, of course, the leaders of the guardian, leader of the Guardians of the Galaxy. You will uh, remember the Phalanx as being the race of space knights mm-hmm. who got infected with the techno-organic virus by none other than Ultron, because again, that storyline was very deep. It kept on going. Once you thought you were at a natural ending uh, point, we took a right-hand turn. It was very M. Night Shyamalan-esque. <laughs> and I think that's maybe how they tie the Guardians of the Galaxy movie to the Avengers. Because, obviously, Age of Ultron is being released. Right. In the Guardians of the Galaxy comics, in the Thanos comics, the Phalanx take over Kree space while they're under the control of Ultron. Through the techno-organic virus for you New Mutants fans. Again, we're using a lot of 80s stuff that we all forgot about. Well, okay. Ultron is connected to Avengers. Ultron takes over Phalanx. Phalanx takes over Kree. Mm. Kree is Guardians of the Galaxy. I bet you that's what they're going to do. What do you think, Gene? That would be an interesting way to go. And I'm pretty sure that they, they would lay the groundwork of some of that. In Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Sure. Because they they have the Kree and Inhuman connection there. Uh-huh. Uh, so I think that may be a way for them to work in the, the underpinnings of everything that will eventually bring the Guardians into contact with the Avengers. Sure, sure, sure. And with the Inhumans movie slated to be released somewhere far in the future, mm. uh, I can't wait to see that War of Kings story arc play out. Yeah. I wonder if they'll bring Vulcan in. Although Vulcan, I think, technically is an X-Men character, so would be owned by a different studio, correct? I have no idea. I mean, you, you've you got Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch that are apparently owned by two different studios. Right, so right. I you have can, no idea. They anymore. could be the same characters, but we can't call them by certain uh, names right, or something yeah. ridiculous like that. Gotcha. Hey, by the way, we're only on page six. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you guys listening at home don't have anything else better to do because I've got pages of notes because that's what I do. I read these things and I tear them apart. Just like I do my sandwiches. <laughs> and proceeding, Quasar flies off and makes it to the West Coast in two hours and gets within a mile of the location of the threat, according to Eon. A uh, quick note here. We are finding... How quick are your notes? No, they're not that quick at all. Okay, so... Moderately long note. Okay. As part of this comic, we are discovering Quasar's powers, or more correctly put, the writers are 
just throwing new shit in right. that Quasar can do. So he keeps tuning each jewel to different frequencies on the wristbands so that he can monitor air traffic control and police radio and so on and so forth. And we find out how quickly he can fly because he can make it from New York to California in two hours. Right. That's pretty damn quick. And not to spoil anything, but on page nine when he's about to land, what is the first thing Horndog Wendell do? I was going to get to that. All right, I'll let you go. (laughs) But he also uh, uh, struggles with some existential self-doubt and... You know, teenage angst, which is, is you know part and parcel to his character. That's all he does is self doubt himself, and he's why why didn't Eon just tell me what to do? Why yeah. did he ask me and have me figure it out for myself? Is he testing me? It's the same reason that I would do this that when I was tutoring students in like physics or something. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't tell them the answer. Mm-hmm. I coach them how to get to the answer on their own mm-hmm. because. If I just tell it to them, mm-hmm. it's not going to sink in. You figure it out on your own, then you're able to do it by yourself. That's true. That's true. And that's probably what Eon is doing. Right. However, but Wendell's Quasar, in the student mode right. of that. And, well, let's face it. Wendell has a lot of self-doubt and mm-hmm. uh, low self-esteem issues to deal through. Yes. So, back to the comic. Not sure how to proceed once he gets to California... He flies down and hits on, I mean, tries to get information from two hot female joggers. Right, because all the things you could be doing, all of the things you could be doing, when you have the quantum bands, arguably the universe's most powerful weapon, short of the ultimate nullifier. Right. What do you do? Oh, I'm going to go ask somebody for directions. Who should I ask? There's lots of people on the street. Oh, how about the two supermodels (laughs) that are going to have back problems in later life? Wearing leotards and short shorts, jogging. Oh, it's California in the 80s. What do you expect? <laughs> oh, fucking Jersey. <laughs> I hate New Jersey. <laughs> oh, son of a biscuit. Uh, they aren't of any help except for his dreams later, and Quasar flies off. Mm-hmm. But not before he's observed by someone behind a tree that just happens to be in the same uniform as the villains on the cover. Really? Yes, really. Now, do you notice that when he thinks, he has the... They're not called brackets. What are they called? Those little um, angular things on either side of them. Greater than, less than signs. Greater than, less than. Okay, yeah. So, what does that mean for those of us who grew up on comic books? That is a language that is not understood by the main character. Right. So, he is thinking in this language, which means he is not from around here. Mm Mm-hmm. He's from Uranus. (laughs) Now, actually, I have a point to make when we find out where he is from. All right. All right. The Unknown Observer, who is called Quantum, as we will find out later in the issue, flies to follow Quasar, who arrives at a beach where a group is sitting in a half circle and meditating while the sun goes down. Mm -hmm. But they are also floating above the ground. (laughs) Yeah. They're all doing that hippie... Let's all sit in a circle, Indian style. I'm sorry, American in American native. God damn it! <laughs> That'd be really funny if I said that right the first time. Let me rephrase. They're sitting American, Native American style, or as my daughter calls it, crisscross applesauce. Crisscross applesauce. <laughs> because uh, Indian style is offensive, right? <laughs> so they're sitting crisscross applesauce, which surprisingly is much easier for me to say, in a circle. On the beach, 
with their making the okay signs with their with their fingers. I'm surprised there's no word balloon saying Om. Right, Om Shubodei. Uh, on uh, in front of a beach house on the ocean, apparently meditating. Also, for those of you to just get an idea of how old this comic is, on the reverse side of this page, <laughs> there's an ad for Mega Man 2 for the NES. And Strider. And Strider. I actually, oh of the two, I actually played Strider. I played Mega Man 2. I never played Strider. Strider was pretty cool. It was? But this is not a Strider podcast. <laughs> We should do a Strider. No. It would never get done. It'd never. None of this would ever get done. Uh, where the hell was I? Uh, oh, here we are. Uh, before Quasar can investigate, his quantum bands turn off and he starts to fall. He suddenly stops, even though his quantum bands aren't on, as the master of the group walks up the air to talk to him. This is Aquarian, and they know each other from their Project Pegasus days. Aquarian explains that he's playing Dalai Lama to the group below, and that the quantum bands failed because they were caught in his null field, which cancels out all superpowers. Of course they were. <laughs> null field. And, and Aquarian, alright, let's describe what Aquarian looks like. So, right. it is a stereotypical white superhero jumpsuit, however, talk about a deep V. It's oh not, yeah. It's not a V, it's a U. So he's showing off his, you know, male cleavage, but it practically goes down to his belly button. And again, it's not a V, it goes down like a V and then turns into a U. And of course, he has not bell bottoms on his feet, but bell bottoms on his sleeves that are at least 2 foot large. So well, keep in mind, the reason he's called Aquarian yes. is because he is there to usher in the age of Aquarius. Q song. <laughs> oh, jeez. I hope he dies. I hope he goddamn dies. Oh, boy. During the introductions, Quantum arrives and duplicates himself into a small army before attacking. Quasar tries to put up a shield, but the null field is still in effect. Aquarian reluctantly retracts the field, and Quasar throws up a Quantum shield. Quantum's duplicates start punching the shield, and Aquarian, going full pacifist, expands his field, canceling Quasar's powers as well as Quantum's. Aquarian then goes up to talk to Quantum, and is promptly put in a chokehold. Right. And if you'll notice, when Quantum speaks, and it's not even in the in the uh, greater than, less than signs, it's just squiggles. Right. Aquarium seems to recognize that language. Did he just say, blah, 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 blah? Right. Also, we'll notice on the uh, left page, on page 16, bottom panel, we had one of the inking, or uh, the coloring problems that are so common to comics of this age, where Aquarium now looks like Father Time, because... (laughs) He aged quite a bit. Right, his long, luscious brown hair with that very thick brown beard. And by the way, 20-something-year-olds, the beard mustache craze is over. All right, you just look silly. (laughs) You look silly. I don't care how much wax you put in it. I don't want to care if it looks like a, you know, an old bicycle, you know, handlebar mustache. It looks silly. It was cool for a couple years. It's over. Like hashtags. <laughs> hashtags suck my balls. So anyway, Aquarian's hair is not colored brown. It looks like he aged, and when I first was reading this, Mm -hmm. it really took me out of it, because I'm like, what happened? Did he all of a sudden age for some reason? And then I had to realize, oh wait, no, it was just a 
a, a coloring mistake. Right. Quasar can't do anything until Aquarian loses consciousness, and then the null field drops. Mm-hmm. Quasar then tries to talk to Quantum, but he can't understand him. Mm-hmm. He communicates with Eon, who does not recognize the language, but will start working on it using his cosmic awareness. Again, we're flushing out characters at this point, cosmic awareness. So, mm-hmm. yeah, all right, Quasar ends up using Eon a lot as his Wikipedia. You know, it was where we would go to our smartphone and just look right. things up. He he goes to the quantum bands and asks Eon for information. So, Eon is essentially Siri <laughs> for the iPhone. That Hello, the, Eon. Right, exactly. <laughs> but Eon actually works, whereas I just tell Siri to... Yeah. Now, this is, this is another thing because you'll get Quasar compared to Green Lantern a lot. Yeah. I don't know why, but he does. In Green Lantern's case, he would ask the ring to translate, and the ring would just translate. Right. Here, we have Quasar asking a mentor mm-hmm. through the quantum bands, hey, do you recognize this language? The mentor's, eh, not really, but I'll check. Mm-hmm. There's no instant recognition. Sure. So, it's it's a little more realistic this way. It's not instant access to every piece of knowledge ever. It's, I gotta look for it. Give mm-hmm. me time. Sure. And there's a specific power for that. Not everyone has cosmic awareness. I mean, right. you know, Eon is one of the entities of the universe. He is the living embodiment or the, the, the manifestation of the embodiment of the universe's life force. Right. So naturally he would have a power set that is this this high. Not everyone gets something like this. Mm-hmm. I'd also like to mention that uh, Quasar's power constructs are becoming a little more sophisticated than just a pair of boxing gloves. Right. Uh, the colors are becoming exactly what I remember as a kid, a lot less translucent, and he's being a lot more creative with his use of his powers. Yes. In the meantime, while Eon's working on the language problem, we have a bunch of Fighting McFightenstein, copyright Hey Kids Comics, which <laughs> ends with Quasar getting knocked out. Well, how would you describe that? <laughs> no, no, that's it. That's it. Um, and like I said, he's using his uh, constructs more effectively now. He's really he's really thinking through what he's doing, and the characters rounding out nicely as they add new powers mm-hmm. and define versus just being abstract. We're defining what can you do and what how can you do it. Right, and what his limitations are. Correct, correct. Once Quasar's knocked out, Aquarian reappears and can and now is speaking the alien language. We find out that both Quantum and Aquarian are Dacamites. And Quantum was part of a group that was experimented on to give their species increased superpowers like those observed from a Dacamite that was on Earth. They believe that Earth's sun was the primary reason for these superpowers. So they sent a platoon of soldiers in close orbit around the sun inside incubator capsules. Quantum was the last of these to awaken, so he went to Earth to see if he could find his fellow soldiers. Right. And what they found was that if a Dacamite was on Earth 90 million, 93 million miles away, resulted in a modicum of superhuman power, exposure from 30 million miles away would result in even greater power. So again, a little bit of a science blurb there for yes. those of us that are nerdy enough to get it. But I have to make mention... So we have an alien yeah. being sent to Earth yeah. who gets superpowers from Earth's sun. Oh, I got even more on that than you do. Oh, okay, go ahead. All yeah. right. Because it sounds awful familiar. All right. Dacamite is yeah. spelled D-A-K-K. 
A-M-I-T-E. Uh-huh. Sounds an awful lot like Daxamite, which is D-A-X-A-M-I-T-E. Uh-huh. And Daxamites are in the DC Universe... If they come to Earth uh-huh. and it's Yellow Sun, they get powers like Superman. <laughs> that uh, Mon El, also known as Valor, was, Mon El. <laughs> was the uh, the most famous Daxamite. Mm-hmm. Basically, they use Daxamites a lot post crisis in DC. Uh-huh. Mon El was the um, or Valor was the replacement in Legion of Superheroes for Superboy. Okay. And then there was another one, uh, Laurel Gand, I believe was her name. She was the replacement for Supergirl. Mm-hmm. But they had all the same powers. But Daxamites, unlike Kryptonians, who have the weakness to Kryptonite, Daxamites have a weakness to lead. Wood? No, lead. 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 So slightly less abundant than mm-hmm. wood. Got yes. it. <laughs> right. So this is Mark, uh, this is our writer Mark, being, <clears throat> how should we say, <laughs> clever and poking fun at DC mm-hmm. inside of the uh, Quasar comic. Yet another reason, we've got deep references, we've got comic book lore references, and we're not taking ourselves too seriously while we're being pretty cool about it. Right. Okay? Well, last time we saw Quantum, well, not we, but in the Marvel Universe, was in Avengers West, or I'm sorry, West Coast Avengers number twelve, which came out in nineteen eighty six, September nineteen eighty six, and there he was paired up with Graviton and Half Life and fought the Avengers. So this is nineteen eighty nine. So we are three years real time Correct. from the last time that has been. Yes, the he only ever appeared before this. In Avengers West Coast, I keep saying that, West Coast Avengers, mm-hmm. numbers 12 and 13. Then he was in here, and the next time he would show up would be in Avengers West Coast number 97, which is in the 90s. Graviton could not fulfill his promise to help Quantum locate his fellow Dacamites, so he left and has been searching on his own all this time. Quantum knows that Aquarian is a Dacamite. Because Aquarian told him so. But he is not part of the Elite, which is this group that was in the incubation capsules. So, Quantum accuses him of being the spawn of Zeneg the Renegade and attacks him. Oh my god! (laughs) Whoever the hell that is. The horror. Quasar manages to pull Quantum apart into different quantum state beings, making him intangible and therefore harmless. Aquarian doesn't feel this is humane. Yes. Yeah, so when I read this, again, this is part of the reason I love Quasar. Because we're getting some really sciencey, geeky shit going on here. Oh, yeah. As I mentioned earlier in the podcast, even though I graduated with a degree in communications because I'm lazy, I actually did start going to school for a dual degree in physics and engineering. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to read these panels. Aquarian asks, Quasar, what are you doing? Quasar responds, an experiment in quantum physics. The way I got it, figured, quantum here only looks like he's creating duplicates of himself. What he's really doing is materializing his body in various different positions within his probability field for mere fractions of a second each. What I did was use my energy to alter the probability fields around him. The result... Besides one angry quantum, is that I've resolved him in between two 
discrete quantum levels. He is intangible as long as his probability field remains messed up. He's not really in multiple places at any given instant, but thanks to persistence of vision, that's what it looks like. So essentially, we're getting a very, very small glimpse at quantum mechanics and how that works. And it's fascinating because obviously the writers of this book know something or at least did a little bit of homework. And since it's before the internet, that means either they have to know something or have spent a lot of time in a library. Right. And it is great stuff because unlike some of the other things, Mm -hmm. like uh, anything... Stan Lee tried to do with magnetism. Right. (laughs) This actually makes sense scientifically. Correct. Correct. And of course, as you were mentioning, uh, uh, Aquarian thinks that it's uh, an inhumane thing to do. And can can Quasar reverse it? And Quasar says, no, I can't. And doesn't show the least... Well, no, actually, what Aquarian asks is, can Quantum reverse it without Quasar's help? Because okay. Quasar could say, oh yeah, I can turn it off right now. <laughs> but he doesn't. <laughs> he, but he doesn't. He doesn't chase after him or right. anything he like says, that. Okay, well, you're not a threat anymore. Bye. <laughs> right, exactly. So it's a dick move. But I like the fact that Quasar's getting a little bit cooler and less of a goody two-shoes in that he's taking his responsibility seriously and it's a little bit above and apart from superhero law, so to speak. Right. He doesn't kill him. But he renders him harmless, Mm -hmm. so he allows him to fly off. And one thing I want to point out, and I don't know much about the Dacamites, because beyond Quantum, I have no no experience with them. Mm -hmm. But he keeps referring to the Father World as his home. So Germanic heritage, is that what you're saying? I'm not saying Germanic heritage, I'm saying Nazi. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So, you're talking like, okay, remember the movie, you know, Nazis on the Moon? <laughs> or what was that called? The Iron oh. Sky. Iron Sky. Yeah, there yeah. you go. So, Iron Sky, maybe, okay, so, <laughs> this is where I either people He's on fall, a roll, people. This is where people fall in love with me, or they stop listening. So, <clears throat> the Eternals. Mm-hmm. Or a race that was created and then they split off. And you've got the Eternals that live on Earth. you got the Eternals that live on Saturn's moon. You have the Uranians. Right. That move to Uranus <laughs> as offshoots of Eternals. Maybe the same thing happened with the Germans. Maybe they really are a superior race that come from the father world. And there's Dacomite Germans. And then there's like... Earth Germans. <laughs> and just like, you know, you've got to have like a good section of the race and a bad section of the race, you know, like maybe the Nazis are the ones that came to Earth where the Dacomites went somewhere else, but they're all from this larger father world. Do you think I'm onto something? No. <laughs> all right. <laughs> and fuck me then. <laughs> what do I know? I'm just trying, listen, I'm just trying to entertain. Yeah. <laughs> All right, at the very end, we get another science lesson, this time on the electromagnetic spectrum. Yay! And Quasar looks like Kevin Sorbo here for some reason. <laughs> yeah, he sure does. <laughs> I have no idea who drew I, him. I could draw better than that. No, I can't. No, I can't. 
Uh, it, it obviously wasn't Paul Ryan. I'll just put it that way. Mm-hmm. Also, there is a continuation of an interview with Howard Mackey right. and Quasar. And there's two questions that I think should be answered here. Um, one of the questions was about his secret identity. And how does he keep his secret identity? And let me find this here and I'll read it to you. You want to know how I keep my identity a secret without my mask, huh? Well, for one thing, I wear a pair of glasses and comb my hair differently in my civvies. For another, I try to keep my energy aura up when I make public appearances as Quasar so no one gets a clear, good look at me. (laughs) So that kind of sort of answers it, but it does not really answer how Kayla, Mm -hmm. who met him moments earlier, last issue, as Aldrich Killian, and then moments later... Sees him as Quasar. There's obviously no energy aura up. Just hair's yeah. different. Headbands well, on. That could be a an artistic explanation because what what he's doing here is they're they're making fun of John Burns Superman because in one I believe it was Superman number two mm-hmm. something like that. Superman actually mentions. That no one has gotten a good picture of his face because when he's out being Superman, he's constantly vibrating, vibrating his face. I bet he is. Well, like, um, that's actually how they explain Jay Garrick. Sure. I, Flash. Right. But that that's, it's, they're just applying, they're taking the John Byrne Superman mm-hmm. and making him Quasar. Right. Right. And you know what? I'm happy about yeah. that. Last question in this interview is... Quaze, what color should we make that funky headband of yours? (laughs) And uh, Quasar answers very glibly, doesn't really matter. I got a drawer full of them. Red, blue, black. I put on whichever one seems the least sweaty. (laughs) And of course, if you notice, throughout the comic book, his headband is red, but on the cover it's blue. Right. Because 80s coloring. Right, 80s coloring and lack of continuity. Next issue... Is one of my all-time favorites. Yes. Of course, how do you choose between your children, right? You love them all <laughs> equally. Uh, but Quasar gets to fight the Absorbing Man. And if I look at the cover, it looks as though the Absorbing Man is black covered with gold jewels. Yes. That look exactly like Quasar's Quantum Band. So can we guess that perhaps he's absorbed the quantum bands and how powerful is he going to be mm-hmm. when he has quantum yeah. when he's made out of quantum bands yes and this is all part of the in my opinion wonderful mm-hmm. acts of vengeance crossover mm-hmm. where you mm-hmm. had all the marvel universe villains taking on different heroes which you would think they would have tried it before now right <laughs> you're right you're right All right, so we're going to take another quick break, and then we're going to come back with the answer to the question on everyone's mind, who would win in a fight between the Human Torch and Quasar? Hey, Michael. Hey, Dad. We need to record another new trailer. Another one? Yes. You know that we read comics and then talk about comics, because as we've established, talking about comics you've not read is just dumb. Yeah, and you make me do it every Thursday. Well, we've moved. Have we? Yes, we have outgrown our old location. I don't feel like I've moved. And we have now moved to twotruefreaks.com. What was that again? Twotruefreaks.com. A-Kids Comics, still every Thursday at twotruefreaks.com. 
Hi folks, Sean Ingle here. And Strange Disembodied Voice here. And we're here to talk about the new direction going on over at Just One of the Guys, a Green Lantern podcast. Like our in-depth coverage of the Howard Chaykin pen, Guy Gorker collateral damage. No, because that book was utter sh. But we are moving into the Judd Winnick run on Green Lantern, where we'll get stories about psychotic ring wielders, teenage sexual identity issues, and Kyle becoming an nearly godlike being. And yet, still not as weird as Guy Gardner's warrior face. Yeah, you may have a point there. Plus, we'll be covering the ancillary books that came out at the same time, including Circle of Fire, A Thousand and One Emerald Knights, The Black Circle Green Arrow Crossover, and so much more. Which would easily make up for not covering collateral damage. Also, if you're subscribing to the show via iTunes, be sure to go to Two True Freaks Presents Just One of the Guys to make sure you get new episodes updated weekly. So, they kicked you off the main feed? Uh, no, they just streamlined it so the Two True Freaks proper shows would only be on it. Are you sure it's not because Scott doesn't want a Green Lantern podcast on the network? Uh, no. In fact, he's spoken very glowingly about the show. I mean, he's even offered to come on into a guest bid. He said he really likes it, and despite his fact that he doesn't like Green Lantern all that much, he's come check out Just One of the Guys over at TwoTrueFreaks.com and subscribe in iTunes at Two True Freaks Presents Just One of the Guys. You'll be glad you did, or double your money back. Welcome back. For our comic book fight club this time out, we have a very special roundtable discussion for all you lovely listeners. Well, as you know, I'm Gene Hendricks. With me, as always, is my partner in crime, Jeff Fishman. Ahoy hoy. And we also have our good friends, Nero Chosky. Hello. Sean Strand. Hi there. And, <laughs> and Chris Tyler, also known as the Hair Metal Hero. What's up? <laughs> All right, so as you know from our last episode, the current fight club is Johnny Storm, the Human Torch, versus everyone's favorite D-lister, Quasar. So does anyone want to start off? Don't all Don't. jump at once. <laughs> all right. It'd be much better if I could see you assholes. Um, you don't want to see my asshole. <laughs> you know, I, I thought I read somewhere that you just had it bleached. I did, and I love it. The fact that you read that is still disgusting. Well, it wasn't so much read as saw the pictures in the middle of the magazine. They did a very nice spread. Waka, waka, waka. Uh, hey, Gene, does that count as a Uranus joke? I would say it does. Excellent, excellent. We worked one into Fight Club. Awesome. <laughs> okay, so when we talk about power sets, talk about Johnny Storm. Johnny Storm, according to Reed Richards, probably has the most advanced innate knowledge of how fire works, <laughs> no pun intended, uh, <laughs> on the face of planet Earth. So all of his powers are flame-oriented. He can create structures out of flame. He can generate flame. He can control the intensity of the flame. And that's pretty much where all of his powers come from. Pretty straightforward. Now, when you're talking about Quasar, again, we're only on issue three of Quasar. So we haven't really got a very strong idea of what his power sets are as of yet. But so far, we know that he can create uh, constructs out of quantum energy. Those constructs have uh, very strong physical properties, uh, much like uh, Green Lantern. So he Hal Jordans it up every now and again. He can quantum jump, 
He can control the electromagnetic spectrum as well as monitor it. So we've listened to him or had him be listening to different radio waves, different frequencies, so on and so forth. So that is all that he has exhibited thus far. Now, because we all know and love Quasar, as he gets further on into the series, those power sets are going to be expanded and refined uh, to make him even more powerful. But that's what he's exhibiting right now. So based upon those power sets and those power sets alone, we don't care about popularity. We don't care about the Batman principle. No one had thought of a way to kill somebody <laughs> three years in advance and was just carrying the, the kryptonite around in a little pocket on his purse for the last four years. Nero, who do you think wins in this fight? Well, let's see. For me, I would say Johnny Storm, only because he's not a multitasker. He does one thing well and keeps it well and can kick your ass with it, basically. So All right. I'll, I'll vote Johnny Storm. That's a that's a strong reason. Uh, you're wrong, by the way. <laughs> you're wrong. I'm just going to say that flat out. But let's go around the table again. Chris, it's your shot. Here, here's the thing. I, I want to no, no, say... No, he's not the thing. It's Johnny Storm. That's the wrong member of the Fantastic Four. <laughs> the thing well... is Orange and Rocky, you dumbass. <sighs> yes, I am a dumbass. All right. I would like to know the uh, the battlefield, because, if, I mean, if they're fighting in water, then, then Johnny's screwed. But I'm getting off topic here. Look, if you can, if you can do anything where you can, or outer space, or Uranus. My anus, you guys ain't gonna know about it because I ain't gonna ever tell anybody. Uh, <laughs> uh, it wouldn't be the first time there was a Wendell in my ass. <laughs> <laughs> all right, here's the thing: if you can create constructs, you're probably gonna win because all you gotta do is create a bubble around Johnny Storm and snuff out the oxygen. Uh, hmm. As much as I love Johnny Storm. Uh, as much as I love that flaming bastard, he'd be the sentimental pick. But power set wise, you you gotta you gotta give it to to Gazar, Quasar. So, yeah, I'm going. I'm going so with, the with Gazar the... versus the Flamer, huh? Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. That's a uh, community for the knockdown drag out fight for Uranus. <laughs> you don't have to. Fight for it. I give it to you. Oh, man. All right, so we've got one vote for Johnny Storm from Nero. Chris, you have voted for uh, Quasar. Sean, do you want to weigh in? Yeah, I'm with Nero. I think uh, Johnny Storm goes supernova on Quasar and Quasar's toast. So you're saying that uh, Johnny Storm uses his Quasar, which is more or less his finisher if he was in the WWF. And I said WWF because yeah, right. WWE stuff is bullshit. <laughs> I agree. So World Wildlife Fund can suck my cock is all I'm going to say about that. Although I, w- I would like to see one of these uh, WWE wrestlers uh, wrestle the WWF Panda. The <laughs> <laughs> their writing's going, that's not too far away. I don't know, in that sense, I, I vote for the Panda. <laughs> vote for the Panda? I think... <laughs> Would he win quickly? Would it be a Panda Express? Jesus. It would be like, it would be I, like I'm a ashamed. I would draw that comment. <laughs> All right. So uh, you're saying, Sean, you're saying that Supernova, Johnny Goes Supernova, expends an enormous amount of heat and energy, basically blows his load all over Quasar in the battle for Uranus. <laughs> he, 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 has the, he has the capability of destroying the Earth if he goes too hot. So if he can blow up a planet, I think he can beat Quasar. All right, so you're saying we're using 
the Johnny Storm, uh, hey, don't go too hot as per the feature film, where you, he could ignite the atmosphere by going supernova. Was that first? Uh, was that first positive in the film? That wasn't a comic argument. I don't recall it in the comics. Uh, Gene, do you? Uh, have I, a... I don't recall. I know. I know there has been warnings in the comics about him going Nova, but I don't. Re- I don't recall it being a Death Star level weapon. Okay, yeah. but <laughs> it, it, it's still an, an amazingly strong attack. Sure. Okay. So uh, that's a valid argument, and uh, Nero had a valid argument. I think Chris's argument is uh, equally valid. Uh, Gene, what are you saying? And I know you love Quasar. Yes, I, I am biased here, but I did look at all the different factors. And I, I would still have to say, you, if you have someone with the, uh, the power, like Chris said, to just encapsulate your opponent in a bubble, that he can't break out of very easily. And we or saw, Oh yeah. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to say very easily cause it's still early in his career. Mm-hmm. Right, true. Very true. But you have, you have Johnny who has not been shown to be the best tactician. So it is entirely possible that Johnny would go full frontal assault. Quasar would play defensive. Are you saying, Qua- uh, Johnny I said frontal assault. Four front. <laughs> yes. Or from <laughs> give you a full frontal yes, Johnny, assault. Yes, Johnny Johnny Storm goes K- full Gazar's frontal on Quasar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this doesn't ever get old. <laughs> uh, sheesh, it's a running gag. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we're all too fat to run. All right, <laughs> just, yeah. l- let's call it a slow ambulatory gag. <laughs> Quick, men, to your segues, you rascals. <laughs> all right so so that's that anything else you want to add on that engine no i'm just if you look at the issue quasar that we just covered issue number three mm-hmm. where johnny was doing his best to subdue quasar and quasar was just getting annoyed because no look i'm trying to talk to you here stop doing this i'm gonna you know shrug that attack off this is why I want no shrug that attack off. Will you stop doing that? Nothing Johnny did affected Quasar, and Quasar didn't even try and restrain Torch. So I'm gonna, I'm voting for Quasar. Okay, all right. Well, uh, I'm gonna weigh in now. Uh, I absolutely vote for Quasar, and I, it's not a. This isn't the Batman principle. It's <laughs> not uh, you know a popularity contest. To Sean's point, go Supernova. So you are getting incredibly hot. <laughs> He's Quasar. getting incredibly hot for Quasar. Okay. <laughs> Sean's getting incredibly hot for Quasar. Understand that. Understand that. When, if you're nasty. Quasar has that that classic twink look too. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, totally. I totally. Later on, when he start, when he gets the 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 uh, the, the blow dried hair look and the new costume, it's it's all twink all day, all night. <clears throat> All right, so if we talk about, okay, Quasar has to defend himself from super from the supernova attack. Well, the dude flies in outer space. And if you can withstand, you know, the heat of a sun and the cold of the uh, of deep space, you can withstand the kind of heat that Johnny Storm can throw off. And like Chris well, wait, said... Wait, wait a minute here, but here's one thing. I'm going to just plug in here for a second. 
I understand you can you can withstand the heat of a sun or whatever, but there are not very many things in outer space that can get that close to a sun and basically survive. So, Quasars, one of them. Mm, we don't know that. Well, you okay? So yeah. case point, we have not seen him be able to do that in a comic as of yet. But in future comics, we do see that. And it's not like he's developing his powers, you know, through practice. This is just one of the innate properties of the quantum bands. They provide a level of sustainability in deep space. That's what they're designed to do. So I would argue that he can withstand that heat. I also would like to mention that when Sue Storm wants to put Johnny in a timeout, she puts a bubble around him. All the oxygen is gone. Johnny next to passes out, and then she lets him go. It's the same way that Sue Storm defeated the Incredible Hulk. Put a bubble around him, let him suck up all the oxygen, passes out. So Quasar, having a similar power set, could just put a bubble around Johnny, fire goes away, game over. And there's no wrong or right answer. Well, yes, there is. There's no wrong answer. answer. And the right answer is my answer. So... Since it's three to two, Quasar over Johnny Storm, I think we got to call it. But when uh, you can't call it because Gene's biased. Fuck, fuck you, dude. This is my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Quasar. He, he's bringing me to Atlantic City. I gotta kiss his ass. So. <laughs> I, I do have I do have one one more point to make real quick. All right. If you take if you take away Wendell's quantum bands, he's I just he's well, just Wendell. Just yeah. Wendell. But Johnny Storm is always always Johnny Storm. He's always yeah, right. But the problem with that is that the quantum bands are permanently attached to Quasar's arm. So if you, in order to take them off, he'd have to be dead <laughs> or dismembered. So, cut them so, off? No, no. They actually in one of the comics that you'll spoilers for those that haven't read yet. <laughs> a villain cuts off his forearms, and the quantum bands still don't come off. Wow. <laughs> Until he actually dies. Correct. The, the first, first of like a dozen times. <laughs> so he's also a cat. So too. basically, if you're not lying, what, 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 <laughs> are you calling him a pussy? <laughs> You've seen the hair. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not calling him a pussy. His name is Quasar. Quasar. So, <clears throat> what? So if let's let's say we take Quasar's quantum bands off and we remove Johnny Storm's flame power, so they're both human again. Johnny. Okay. Then they have a slapping fight. I, well, yeah, that's exactly right. Quasar. <laughs> Wendell Vaughn is a shield agent. Okay. So Johnny Storm is just taking some boxing lessons. Right. So without powers, Quasar wins. With powers, Quasar wins. <laughs> I don't know. I think, I, I think Johnny would be kind of scrappy in that, in that yeah. regard. And we're I talking think it'd be about a... a shield agent who who has all the resources and stuff of shield. When we're talking about just Wendell, yeah, Wendell, who was combat nothing. trained he by Dum Dum Dugan. Well, so is Johnny Storm combat trained by the Thing. Yeah, the Thing is go up and punch him in the face. That's the Thing's tactic. <laughs> yes, they're both blonde, pretty boys. <laughs> yeah, yeah both... it would devolve into the two of them making out probably. <laughs> That's right. It really would. The it hypothetical. Really would children that those two men could produce would be like the Aryan dream. <laughs> Alright, so this is a good way to, to, to wrap this up. Yeah, okay. um, who's on top? 
Johnny Storm. Oh, but I know or Wendell Vaughn. They 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 switch. They're versatile. Really? You think so? Um. So you're saying they're both switch hitters? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Johnny got a little uh, Lannister action going on with his sister, too. <laughs> well, you have to remember, he did marry a, a woman who was originally introduced in the comics. Yeah, I was looking exactly I, like Sue. Exactly yeah. like her, his sisters. <laughs> Let, let's put it this way. I mean, if we take the Quantum Bands, take them off of Quasar, put them on Johnny Storm, and for oh. some reason Quasar has firepower like Johnny Storm... Both of them would have absolutely no idea what to do with their powers. True. And both of them would lose. Good point. Period. Done. That's, End that's of story. <laughs> well, I think the only thing left to say is I need to get a box of tissues after that uh, very, very sexy thought. Um, <laughs> no? Is that too far? Did I just lose the audience? Nope. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. They went to go listen to Howard Stern now. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> <laughs> All right, so there we go. Uh, three to two, Quasar Wendell Vaughn beats Johnny Storm. If you would like to weigh in on this argument, tough shit. It's done. You should have weighed in a week ago before we cut this podcast. All right, listeners. As one of our most popular segments, we are going to be spinning off Comic Book Fight Club into its own special podcast. So... We're going to give you a title bout of Galactus, the Devourer of Worlds, versus Unicron, also the Devourer of Worlds. <laughs> but because it's going to be its own special podcast, we are going to also give you an undercard. Jeff, what is that undercard? Well, my thought here is since we've talked a lot about Rom the Space Knight in this Quantum Cast, let's put him up. Let's put him up for battle. Let's see what he can do for himself. Now, we need to find somebody that's an equivalent power level. So we don't necessarily want Rom the Space Knight fighting Eternity or Infinity <laughs> or, or even Galactus. We need him to fight somebody at the same power level, right? And no, not fucking Batman. Shut up. <laughs> We're going to have him fight Boba Fett. So that's what we want your opinion on. Rom the Space Knight versus Boba Fett. Who do you think wins? That's our undercard. All right. So, remember, quantum.bands at yahoo.com. Give us your opinion on Galactus versus Unicron and Rom versus Boba Fett for our very special episode of Comic Book Fight Club. Or go to Facebook and join our Facebook page, which is, Gene? Facebook.com slash quantumbands. And we'll have a lot of good content on that site for you as well. Weigh in, send us a message there, and maybe we'll listen to it. You never know. I probably won't. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Quantum Cast, your source for all things Quasar. You can find us on the web at quantumbands.blogspot.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Google Plus under Quantum Bands. If you have any comments, questions, concerns, please email us at quantum.bands at yahoo.com. Part of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network. Good night, Forbushman, wherever you are.